This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 285 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Dr. Rose's Remedies, EasySignsOnline.com, and Total Saddle Fit. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Glenn on the line with us today. Hey guys, welcome back from uh, from Nationals. Yeah, from Thank Adventures. Thank you. Yes. From Adventures here in Lexington? Absolutely. We survived. Well, we're going to hear all about that in just a minute. I wanted to say for everybody who sent in their questions for the Total Saddle Fit Saddle Question Competition, uh, we are going to announce the winner next week. Uh, just scheduling has caused Justin not to be able to be here this week. So, and all of your responses were overwhelming. Over, were we were absolutely <laughs> overwhelmed. It was great. I, I lost that bet, everybody. You you made because I said that we Thank would you, only, yeah, we'd only get a few, and uh, boy, Reese and Phillips said we're going to get a bunch, and we did. We did. <laughs> so we're going to announce the winner next week, and we're also going to I'm going to record with Justin sometime this week or next uh, answers to all of the questions that we can possibly get to. And we'll be putting those in the show over the next uh, couple of months. So we will get to answering all of them over the next couple of months. Um, so you and they were we're great. sorry. We're Absolutely. sorry that it took so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but great. I'm questions. sure you're anxiously anticipating who's the winner. So. <laughs> yes, they're waiting for their girth. So. Waiting for their girth. They're gonna, yeah, that's good. It's great that we got so many. It's awesome. And, and uh, everybody's excited to hear, apparently, if according to our Facebook page, how you guys were, who were at uh, Lexington last week made out. So tell us about it. Oh, we had a blast. It was great to have Philip here. Um, it really was a fun weekend. Um, over, you know, The weather, besides Thursday, it was – Thursday was awful. It was – oh, my God. I finally – we. No, it was not nice. I was schooling um, Dr. Jill Stowe, who is who was on the show last week, and she's sort of turned into the celebrity of the of the nationals. She's been on the Chronicle of the Horse. She was on our show. Uh, she's been on so many different blogs. So uh, it was really people a love pleasure. the off the track thoroughbred stories. You know <laughs> where you can where you can rehome horses for a different purpose, and they do so well. And uh, he was awesome. He was really good, and on on Thursday, literally, I was schooling Jill and um, and Dundee, and it was, I think it was snowing, uh, but the sleet was, was sort coming. Of sleeting, sideways. yeah, it was, it was so sleeting cold. sideways. And Philip was taking one for the team, and finally, I'm like, "Why don't you go find the car and sit in the car? You're gonna get pneumonia." <laughs> I was just hanging out watching it. Yeah, I mean, he's Canadian. Really yeah, he's me. he 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 was going. This ain't cold. What are you yeah, guys complaining about? He can't, he can't help <laughs> it. Um, but, but I had oh, to bust out the speedo. Just to show everybody how not cold. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thankfully, he did not. That the would police arrived shortly after that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the horse park police <laughs> yeah, took him off. Right. I had to go get him at the horse park police station. Yeah, no, that's a, nothing like that happened. No um, crazy stories. No, no crazy stories. But Philip and I, Philip was awesome and helped me with all my horses here at the barn, uh, which was super fun. He rode to riding and yep. a little bit of this and that and. It was fun. It was really good. And the horse show itself was beautiful. They really, they really did a great job. Uh, the Altec arena was beautiful and there was all kinds of uh, plants and, uh, it was just a really really, enjoyed watching the rides and I tried to, you know, scope out some of the, the stories we had been covering about, you know, there was the mule that was, uh, competing and our friend Hillary from, uh, the, the magazine dressage today. Was riding on her one dollar horse. That's been kind of a big story that we, oh, because we have her on the show all the time. We we talked to her about it, and she did really well. And um, there was a Welsh cob that won the Grand Prix yes, freestyle. I mean, there were so many cool things going on in all the arenas that uh, Reese was coaching and doing her you know thing, but I was I, I was running around trying to catch all the all the great riders and all the all the all the stuff at USDF National Finals. So that was really yeah, awesome. It was great. And I have to give a shout out to Laura Phillips. Um and on her pre St. George ride on Marciello. She was great and Marcy was super um, you know, he's a twenty one year old. And so it was really uh we were just excited to be there and, and enjoy the experience and, and she was she was really quite good. So uh, it was a lot of fun to to be there with, with her and Kelly Mardell, my other student on another twenty one year old, got her 
uh, Intermediate One scores for her gold medal. So for me and my, and my team here at Maplecrest, it was a great show and it just had a fun vibe. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Devin Kane today. She won the Open Grand Prix um, Championships and she's from Wellington, Florida. And then we're also going to hear from Rachel Hicks, who is from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, very, very successful amateur rider. She won last year and she won again this year um, in multiple divisions. So I I know everyone's going to really enjoy hearing all these stories, but it was a really fun uh, weekend and a week really. And and glad Philip was here to hang out with Travis and I. And um, it was good. I can't wait for next year. It's here in Lexington again next year. And then then it will move. I'm not sure where it's going to move to, but that's the plan. So did you guys see the mule? Did you mention the mule? I, I did not see him in person, actually. Yeah, I, I was really him. looking to where he was showing, and with all the classes and all the rings, I didn't. Uh, we didn't catch up. We're going to try and get up. her on to see how it all went. Yes. that would be that would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah, if we can get her on the show. She was also a star, experience. made the news everywhere. Yes, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, it was wonderful. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Well, the fun thing is, I mean, I got the you know, I drove down there, drive back, and then guess what? This Wednesday, Reese and I will be in Maryland. So. I I get to see Phil twice. Next thing. Move on to the next thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, <laughs> we're going. We're heading to the Young Horse Finals. Um, the uh, Young Horse Finals. Sorry, Young Horse uh, Dressage. Uh, Young Dressage Horse Trainers Conference uh, on Thursday. So we're going to hang out again, Philip and I, and all of our trainer friends. Uh, it's actually how Philip and I met, and that was ten years ago now, which is just crazy. Yeah. And um, so ten year, ten year yeah. uh, anniversary of uh, of this trainers conference symposium thing and uh i'm really excited about this because we're gonna get lots of great training ideas and stuff that we can bring to the show you know absolutely awesome another awesome experience (laughs) i know two in one you know two in two weeks is pretty cool so it's a lot of fun and looking forward to sharing that with everybody so it was it's so far a great couple weeks here and and looking forward to that so we are actually well, recording a little bit early this week, just so because Philip and I are gone on Thursday. So, but I hope everyone enjoys today's show for sure. Helen Langdon Hannenberg and Damon Hill have uh, been split up. Yeah, um, she will no longer be riding Damon Hill. The uh, German Equestrian Federation announced Monday after the negotiations between Helen and the owner failed to keep uh, them together. So. You know, yeah. there was some there was some news about you know him being for sale and and this and that and and uh, so far nobody's stepped up as a buyer, and so I think they're going to keep him at home and do a little bit more breeding because he is a breeding stallion and has some really nice offspring on the ground. So um, it's kind of a sad thing for Germany because they were their top combination, but that's a very very deep team, and uh, you know it, it's time for somebody else to step up and take take the top spot. Yeah. And, you know, again, this happens. I mean, you saw the same thing with Totalus. Um, you know, it, it, it is a business at the end of the day. So it's it's tough. I feel for Helen, for sure. I think every rider does when you have a relationship with, like that with a horse and you're number two in the world. That's that's a, that's rough. Um, but we wish them both well. And Helen, I'm sure, has amazing horses and, and we'll have more coming along. But um, that's tough. That's a tough one. So um, I hope like it's t- I don't know if spring's eternal and they, they will make that happen again, but um, for sure that's a, sad for, for all of us to not see them together again. So, Yeah, dis- disappointing. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, right after this commercial break, we are going to come back uh, with some better news um, with uh, Devin Kane from Wellington, Florida. She was the Open Grand Prix winner last week here at the USDF National Dressage Finals, and I can't wait to hear from her uh, on about her journey and about her uh, winning the Grand Prix. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com.
Well, it is our pleasure this evening to have Devin Kane. She is an um, international FEI rider and trainer, and she's here on the program. And Devin won the Open Grand Prix here at the National Finals last week. Devin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Well, congratulations. We are, yes, congratulations yeah. on the Amazing, amazing finals. So, Devin, tell us about your journey here to Kentucky. <laughs> well, um, we, I wasn't actually, after we uh, rode in the regionals, I wasn't planning on going to Kentucky just because of the distance and the traveling and everything. Um, but then we started thinking about it, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, the experience of being able to go up there and ride in a real indoor and also have the opportunity to ride in some other arenas and stuff like that was really something I, I couldn't pass up. I need that. I need that exposure and I need that time in the arena. So, and it worked out greatly to our advantage. Obviously we, uh, my horse was wonderful. He was super and ready and we were so prepared. You know, my coach, Kevin Coleman is awesome. And we had him, he's in tip top shape right now and really ready to go. And kind of everything from our plans fell into place as we got there. So it was very exciting. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit. It's a quite a long journey, isn't it? Yeah, it took the horses about, uh, let's see, just over 20 hours uh, from Wellington up there. And actually, the uh, the traveling wasn't so bad. The horses did really well. Uh, it was a pretty straight shot. There was not so much bad weather or traffic or anything. So they got there. But everybody was pretty tired when they when they actually arrived. And we got there a little bit early, you know, traveling so far, I wanted to make sure that my horse had a little bit of a rest before we had to kick it up into show action. And um, so we got there a little bit early with everybody kind of arriving from California and all over. So that was kind of cool because we got to see and um, meet different people that were there early before it got too crowded and everything. So the coolest part about nationals is you had so many different people and different areas represented that you know, sometimes you don't always see, you know, they're not always the people that are able to come to Wellington or California for uh, for winter circuits. So you definitely get to see some new faces and see some new new combinations of horses and riders that are very interesting. Now, Devin, I'm wondering if you can give us a little background, a little history about uh, the horse that you rode at, at National Finals. Yeah, for sure. Um, my horse, he's a diamond hit out of Rubenstein, and he's 11 this year. I've had him since he was about, um, I think it was five when I bought him. He kind of went with like a three-year-old. We didn't really show until he was a little bit older. He was kind of crazy and stuff. But he's one of those really special horses that when you, uh, when I first met him, I knew there was something in the horse. And so then going on from there, you know, the young horse stuff didn't really happen with him. He did some of the developing horse classes and championships. And he, he was very successful in those. He never won or anything like that because he uh, he's just a little... A little spunky, I guess. <laughs> he's always been a, a little bit different and difficult to kind of keep together. But he's really, in the Grand Prix, he's really come into his own. And he's, he's so much happier in the Grand Prix work than in anything else I've ever tried to keep him in. It keeps him busier. It keeps his mind and his body busy. And he really enjoys it. So uh, he's a little bit of a hotter horse. So coming into... The, uh, the actual Grand Prix finals where, you know, we were in the indoor stadium and they have this huge screen in front of C, like right behind the judge, <laughs> flashing different things. And some of the horses really were upset by it. And my horse did a really good job. I mean, he went in and he trusted me. He put his head up when we halted and looked at it, but then we just kept going and he was fine. Wonderful. So what was it like to compete in the indoor? Because you, you've been all over the world with this guy, right? He's He went to Europe over the summer and shown yeah, in Wellington. That's, yeah, that's one of the really cool things I think about this championship is that it's actually in a real indoor arena. And they made the atmosphere so electric and so exciting. You know, we had, there were the sponsor banners all around the side and the greenery and the flowers that they put up around the arena and in the arena, it just, it looked really, I mean, it was, it was spectacular. It was a five-star show happening in that arena. So it was amazing for me to be able to take this horse that we really, I mean, I never, we weren't able to ever, he was too young for Raleigh or anything. So we were never able to really show in an indoor arena. So this is really it. I mean, Kentucky is really the only indoor arena that the U S riders have exposure to. And then you go to Europe and everybody's in indoor arenas and it's something that their horses are used to. So it's really beneficial for us. I think, I think it's definitely something that 
all of the writers, especially the FBI writers, should really take advantage of to get that exposure before you end up in Europe and you're trying to do it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's it's still it, it's still a young show in that sense, the national finals. And I think you're right. Right. I, we don't get that experience here in the U.S. very often, and um, I think you're absolutely right. So, what yeah, was it? Definitely, yeah. if you want to. Sorry, I was just going to point out that um, the World Cup, the entire World Cup circuit, is in an indoors, right? In Europe, indoor, yeah. And exactly. then the final is obviously an indoor. I mean, I mean, this year at Las Vegas, but whenever they have it in yeah. Den or or in Germany, it's it's not outdoor shows. So they have a completely different experience and a different education as far as their horses being able to do that. And then when you get to the World Cup finals, you you got to be used to that environment. There's you you know I I hadn't really thought about that before, but you know we don't get that much opportunity to uh, to ride in that environment before just going you know and having to do the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we had it in Raleigh, but now the shows in Raleigh aren't really happening anymore. So it's nice, and the Kentucky show, the Alltech Arena, is beautiful. It's a really nice arena to ride in the warm-up was a little bit spooky because it was a little bit closed in and um at night they had a bunch of like the uh what is it like the lighting from above that kind of looks like the storeroom lighting and everything going on but the horses did pretty well with it and then i mean my horse was like i said he i'm so excited and lucky that he just trusted me through it but um it's definitely a different experience than riding outside so what is your horse, how did he deal with just the environment here in Kentucky, being from South Florida? Yeah, he was definitely not so impressed the first few days we got there. <laughs> when we would, we would, he was luckily in the um, in the heated barns. And so walking around the barns and stuff inside, he was fine. But when we took him outside, he was looking at us like, um, no, <laughs> I don't do this so much. <laughs> and uh, on Thursday, we rode a warm-up test outside in the outdoor arenas, which were um, oh. they had they were using the ones that were on top of the hill so you have the wind blowing through nicely and Thursday was the day it was sweeting and there was like 30 mile an hour winds and it was like 40 degrees <laughs> very warm and cozy yeah <laughs> I think it was colder than 40 I think it felt like um, uh, I couldn't feel my arms in my legs so it was yeah, very cold. A- oh, don't be over dramatic guys come on Philip, so you, you oh, would forget the... Philip went it to get the car, Devin. Under my breeches, and then I had two long sleeve shirts on and a fleece vest tucked under my... Yeah, it, it was, was that cold. It oh, was. Yeah. I'm with you, Devin. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah. Devin... And I'm from, I'm from South Texas and South Florida, so I, I don't do cold very often. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Don't, so, uh, don't, yeah, yeah. Keep that up. It was a good experience, I have to say. I mean, honestly, my horse hasn't, Duffy hasn't really been in that kind of environment and weather before because I'm kind of chicken when it gets that cold. So it was definitely a good, a good experience. And like I said, we had, we got to ride outside in the freezing cold. We just pretended like we were in Germany and we kept going. And then we got to go inside and, and experience that. So all in all, it was a great, a great experience for my horse. I'm very, very happy that we did that. So, Devin, I have to ask you, you're a professional rider, have a business in South Florida, and you're a mama. How do you do all of that? It's amazing. I'm very lucky. I have a great, uh, my boyfriend and partner is amazing and helps with the picking up and dropping off and taking the swim lessons and, and uh, you know, just, what do we have? We have drums now and we have music, <laughs> or that is music, we have art, we have everything going on. Um, but it's, I mean... Basically, I just try to keep a really balanced thing. I mean, it's hard. It's very easy to uh, to get overly drawn into the horses and completely encompassed in that. And I try to keep it a little bit of separation between my family life and uh, the barn, just to keep my family so that they know that they're on top and they're the most important to me. And then, you know, sometimes it gets a little disarrayed and the barn kind of overthrows that and I have to put them off to the side to do something for the horses. But for the most part, everybody understands. They're, my family is definitely the most important to me, and then it's the horses. But it's it's a close a close second. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Devin, thank you so much for your time and telling us all about your journey here to Kentucky and winning the Open Grand Prix Championships. Congratulations on that! And thank how do you. our how do our listeners find you online? 
Um, our website is Diamante, D-I-A-M-A-N-T-E, diamantefarms.com. And we're also on Facebook at Diamante Farms on Facebook. And our Facebook page, we put tons of videos and pictures and all kinds of stuff going up all the time. So it's kind of fun to stay, stay in touch with. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time. And we can't wait to see how the Florida season goes for you this year. Yes, thank you. We'll see you guys soon. With Christmas season fast approaching, it's time to start planning a custom gift that will last for many years to come. Visit our friends at ezsignsonline.com and browse their unique website for their many custom sign options and styles. With affordable prices for customized signs starting at $39.95, your holiday gift giving just got easier. Their step-by-step online sign ordering process allows you to choose only the sign options you want and see all the pricing up front. From horse farm entrance signs, vinyl banners, magnetic vehicle signs to stall nameplates, and much, much more for every horse owner. Place your order early to allow plenty of time for Christmas delivery. Check out the website today at ezsignsonline.com. That's ezsignsonline.com or call them at 1-800-640-8180. That's 1-800-640-8180. This is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor. It's something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because it's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcasts means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing too and keep it going. Thanks. Our next guest is Rachel Hicks. She's coming on the show and she is an extremely successful adult amateur competitor and was uh, has won multiple national finals uh, to date and we look forward to hearing about her story. Well, it is really my pleasure this evening to have Rachel Hicks from Louisville, Kentucky on the show. And Rachel has won many, many um, national championships now on her horses. And she is truly an amazing person. She's a wonderful mom and a wonderful rider. And this year at the USDF National Dressage Finals, she was third level adult amateur champion. She was fourth level adult amateur champion, and she was fourth in the adult amateur Grand Prix. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you all. We're so happy to have you here. So, Rachel, tell us a little bit about your three horses and um, your journey to the national finals. Oh, my goodness. Well, they're very different horses, actually. I think you've known Apollo as long as I have, really. Yes, yes. Um, I I got him years ago, and he's um, just started doing Grand Prix this spring. The this was our third uh, experience ever trying to do Grand Prix, so it definitely is a work in progress and uh, needs some tweaking. But he tends to be a little bit anxious, but inwardly anxious. So when he gets nervous, he sort of balls up and gets tighter and slower and crampier. Um, and then I have a seven-year-old Rhinelander who is a little bit the opposite. He's a little more reactive and very sensitive and he's a stallion. So he's pretty opinionated at times. And, um, but he's actually quite a flashy mover. So when he's on, he's very special. And, uh, and then I have Fabio who's sort of a mix of the two. He's, he's, um, I could say he's simple minded, which is probably not fair to him, but he <laughs> needs things explained to him very succinctly and he needs a lot of repetition and he needs a lot of suppling, but he's a trier and he always really gives me his all. So, um, I read them all so differently that sometimes I feel bad for one or the other one. I'm like, Oh, sorry, that wasn't, that wasn't the right way to ask you. Um, <laughs> but, but they are very fun, all of them. 
So Rachel, tell us a little bit. You were amazing at the Region 2 Championships. That's how you qualified for the Nationals, right? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, yeah. They, and we had huge classes here. I mean, it was really, it was really a lot. And um, so what was it like to sort of be back here at the horse park for the national finals? Well, it's interesting because literally the only three shows I did all year were all at the Kentucky Horse Park. And every one of them is so different. You know, that May show is uh, a lot of back between the dressage complex and the Rolex arena. And I feel like we hustle and bustle up and down the hill all the time. And then at regionals, I was so lucky. I got all of my rides in the Rolex arena where the footing is great. Um, the scenery is beautiful. The leaves are starting to change on the trees. And, um, and the weather wasn't too bad. It did rain on us a little bit, but, um, you know, we're sort of at the top of the hill. And then this year for nationals, we were a lot in the in the uh, Alltech arena. So even though we're on the horse park property for all three of those events, I felt like they're so different. Um, the warm-up is different. The show arenas are different. The people um, that you see and the people you run into, the volunteers, it's a whole different crowd. So Nationals really does feel like a new and exciting experience, even after having done regionals there. So it's it's um, amazing that they can do that on, you know, not a small piece of property, but you know, one uh, one venue can do all of that. No, it's 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 true. Actually, that that's what the one trick of the horse park is that there are three different show venues that you can be in. So actually, people don't know that, and that's a good thing to mention. And and that is. It's not always the same venue. So where our our local show is and where the nationals, it's different. And and so that's I think people don't know that when they come to show at the horse park that it's going to be a different venue for for each of those different um, shows. So you're that's exactly right. That's a great point to make. Uh, that for us it's all different. And the horses aren't used to. There's no really home court advantage actually, other than the stalls. It, it, actually, the stalls are even different from where we sh- normally are. So that is something. That's yeah. Different. Yeah, everything is everything was different for me. Um, even the warm up rings, you know, we went down in I guess it's called the Walnut Arena for for warm up and I've never even been in that arena before. <laughs> I didn't even know how to yeah. find it. <laughs> um, yeah, and this year they had so many more entries that I guess the, the heated stabling that we were lucky enough to have last year sold out before I even got my entry in. So we were out in the shed row and I've never been there and they were nice enough to have tarps or curtains up for, for most of the stalls and whoever had our stalls for, for the national horse show, the jumper show that was there the week before us, um, stole my curtains. So we had <gasps> a very windy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we had the colder oh, stalls no. in the shed row. And it was cold. The wind it was, was cold. cold. Windy, rainy, cold. Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> so my my favorite person of the weekend was the stable manager who came by, uh, I think, two days into the show and said, is there anything I can do to make your experience better? And I said, yes, find me curtains. Curtains. <laughs> get some curtains. Yeah, get some wind Did breaks. you get some? Yeah. Did you find curtains? Yeah, it well, it took all day, and she showed up as soon as I put Apollo on the cross price to start braiding him, and the wind was whipping, and the hail started, oh. and the curtains are whipping, and the poor horse nearly had a heart attack on the cross ties while I was trying yeah. to braid him, but we did eventually get curtains, and that made all the difference <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so, Rachel, I think yeah. our listeners were like, what's your what's your um, horse story? Where did you get started? Where did you get started with dressage, and, and how did they come to riding three horses in national finals. Oh, my gosh. Well, I started when I was 12 years old. My uncle um, got married to a beautiful woman who had just bought her first horse. And I remember being at Thanksgiving dinner one night as a 12-year-old little girl and her telling us about this horse she had bought and me begging her to please let me go visit it. And... I think she took me to the barn with her that next weekend and I met her horse. She gave me a little pony ride and I think I didn't stop bothering her about it ever since. And, um, she very soon got pregnant and I ended up with like this magical experience where I just had a horse sort of 
at my disposal while she didn't ride. Kind of fell in your lap almost. (laughs) Yeah, it was very, very, very lucky. And um, and she's still very supportive of me. And I call her, and we talk horses all the time. And she was she was instrumental in getting giving me the the horse bug. Um, But I started out eventing, and. got horses off the track and just sort of rode catch rides at the farm where I worked. And, you know, I always worked to pay off my lessons and worked to pay for, for leases on horses and um, sort of was a scrappy little kid and did whatever I could to get on as many horses as I could. And it wasn't until my partner went to grad school in South Florida where I felt sort of landlocked and stuck down in Fort Lauderdale with no eventing anywhere to be seen, not enough land really down there for cross-country courses and things like that. Um, So I sort of found a dressage trainer and a jumper trainer, and I separated my training and uh, just really enjoyed the dressage. You know, when when you dabble in it as an eventer, it's not so exciting because it's just a lot of circles. And then when you get more involved and um, really try to perfect it. It's it's quite fascinating and it takes probably the right kind of person, but I was just really drawn to it. And that was when I got my first real dressage horse was um, when we lived down in South Florida. And um, I keep trying to find an event horse and rescuing thoroughbreds and <laughs> <laughs> thinking I'm going to go back into jumping and none of them have worked out. Um, so today I jumped my dressage horses as their break from finals. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Well, I think they probably love that. <laughs> uh, Fabio did for sure. I don't know about the others. They were like, what are we doing now? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I still, I still hack them a lot and cross-train them a lot. I think that my eventing personality comes through in sort of how we prepare for things a little differently than probably the average dressage rider. No, but I think that that's always been what I've you know enjoyed about how you ride your horses is it's so fun and you enjoy them and you enjoy going out and you enjoy cross-training. And I think that that's wonderful. And one thing you haven't mentioned is you're a mom of three, three kids. It's amazing that you're able to do all of this. How do you how do you do it? I do it with a very supportive family. My mom um, is there whenever I need her to pick up the kids at school or watch them because I need to go to a horse show. Um, my partner Jenny is just super supportive, and I I really couldn't do it without people that understand how much I love it and they want me to be happy and they want me to be able to do what makes me happy. And there's definitely days when people wish I would get home sooner and, um, could manage my time at the barn a little better probably, but for the most part, it really, really wouldn't happen without my family backing me up. So, um, but yeah, we dropped the kids off at school at eight o'clock and I've got, generally between eight and three to, to get the horses done and put a workout in and, um, do manage the barn. So I have to worry about things like where we're getting hay from and if the fences are fixed and I use the tractor to dump the manure and, you know, all the stuff that (laughs) you do for small farm management. But, um, I try to fit it in as best I can while the kids are at school. So I didn't show while they were young at all. And then once they started full day school, I was able to get back into it a little bit. Wonderful. So Rachel, what's your plan for next year? Uh, I am already looking forward to going to Florida again this winter. (laughs) The temperatures are scheduled to plummet next week. I'm thinking sooner the better. Um, So I don't know. I think I'll probably develop a plan while I'm down there and see how the horses mature throughout the winter and, and what, what they're ready for. The, the two young boys are both at the age where they could do the developing horse pre St. George. Um, so that might be a goal. Apollo, um, we really have some work to do still to make that Grand Prix test fluid and forward and, and what I really know it could be from what we do at home. It's still not, still not there in the show ring. Um, so we'll keep, 
plugging away at that. And uh, I've said for a couple of years now that I should really do a freestyle. I've never done one, and I would love to to delve into that a little bit, but I'm a little intimidated, so I don't know if I'll have it ready for, for next year or not. But it's a dream to do a freestyle. I watched so many of them over the weekend, and I thought these people are so brave. <laughs> I haven't had the guts to do it. <laughs> No, you would be wonderful at it. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And we can't wait to see how things develop over the winter. And we look forward to having you on next year to see how you do at the championships. Oh, well, thank you. That'd be exciting. Excellent. Hopefully we'll talk everybody to you will keep on going. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. Rachel, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. It's time now for the Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. And we have Andrea Stano, and he's going to talk about just different ways to find education throughout the world and North America. Well, it is our pleasure to have Andrea Stano on the show today. He is the owner of dressageclinic.com. And he agreed to come on to talk to us today a little bit about, you know, dressage education and the current opportunities that, that are out there. And maybe we can get him to talk about what's, what's the future of, of education, you know, through uh, technological advances and things like that. Hello, Andreas. Hey, how, how are you? And we're doing great. We're doing great. Thank you for coming on the show with us today. We appreciate your time. And uh, I guess our, our first question is, um, you know, you're kind of on the leading of the forefront of the education opportunities. Um, tell us a little bit about what's what's been developing and what is new out there for people to learn about dressage. Um, well, you know, education is an ongoing process and it never ends. Um, there are a variety of wonderful efforts all over the United States and Canada for promoting education for dressage riders. The, the United States Dressage Federation is doing a fantastic job by um, offering um, sort of systematic yearly events like the USDF Adult Clinic Series where the USDF has chosen uh, two clinicians to give a series of clinics across the country in various cities. I believe that the 2015 USDF Adult Clinic Series is with Betsy Steiner and Kathy Connolly, which is, I think it's a wonderful thing for this to be happening because it gives dressage riders, uh, not just from specific areas, but from all over the nation, the opportunity to experience, you know, uh, Kathy Connolly and Betsy Steiner, which is a, a very, very unique experience to, to be, you know, under their tutelage when on a horse. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, other things that are happening. Uh, the Global Dressage Forum is something, uh, a new venture for our country that presents education from a different point of view. Um, there's other um, clinics done by various GMOs across the nation, New England Dressage uh, Association. Uh, sorry, the New England Dressage Association has just completed their annual fall symposium with Ingrid Klimke where they brought Ingrid, Ingrid from uh, Germany and she gave a two-day clinic in Boston, Massachusetts at Apple Knoll Farm just uh, last week. And uh, so all these type of things are happening. And, you know, we cannot change education, but we can certainly change and improve the way that it is presented because people learn differently. And people, some people learn better when they are simply uh, listening and viewing. Others learn much better just by looking and copying. Others learn more with interaction by being able to discuss things so that eventually, you know, things come together in their mind and they have a better understanding about the procedure of riding and developing a dressage horse. So, um, you know, in the past decade or two decades, you know, we've had the traditional clinic where it would be one clinician who would be taken, 
taking on a group of riders on a per day basis and giving each one a 45 minute session. And uh, this is, of course, really, truly a, the best way to do it uh, on a live basis when somebody can be focused on you for undivided attention of 45 minutes with you and your horse. Um, but that, you know, sort of limits um, our way of viewing or witnessing the process of education. So uh, it, very good ideas have been coming out in the past decade where, you know, some GMOs like um, Georgia Dressage and Combine Training Association, they've been very innovative in the sense that, you know, they started bringing in two clinicians for a clinic. The USDF graduated that to actually having four clinicians in one clinic where uh, that was, I believe, the, I should say that was the USEF um, clinic symposium that they held in Los Angeles, I believe it was uh, last year or two years ago, where they had um, four clinicians doing a clinic, and each clinician would have a group of riders to work together, and then they would be uh, interacting with each other in the arena, etc. That was very good. And... Um, you know, these different ways of approaching education, still there's a lot of room of new innovative ideas. Um, what's happening, for example, with the, um, the Global Dressage Forum, where we have a situation here of a symposium, but completely different point of view of presenting education, where in one day cycle you have... Um, four different clinicians with only them having a certain period of time in the arena, in stage, and also interacting with other dressage experts about their system, their philosophy, their method. So um, that's a completely different way of presenting education. And, you know, it all serves good purpose. The one-on-one -on -one clinic the two clinicians per one rider where one clinician is perhaps a judge, the other clinician is a competitive rider, and the rider can have the rider riding in the clinic could have a perspective from a judge's point of view and also from a rider's point of view as to what's going on with him or her in particular. And uh, it's an ongoing process, and I think personally, my personal opinion is that the United States is on very good footing as far as education is concerned. I believe that with the efforts of the various GMOs across the country, like the New England Dressage Association, the Virginia Dressage Association, Georgia Dressage and Combined Training Association, Illinois, Wisconsin, all these GMOs are doing annual clinics for their memberships, which is a very healthy thing to do and a very important thing to do. The USDF is coming in with their own programs of the USDF Adult Clinic Series and the, the USDF Trainers Conference that they, um, they've been holding every year in Florida. And that also is another point of view as to how to present education. And um, that, also, that all is very good. And, you know, there are other ways also, for example, now we have live webinars where people can get on their inter their computer and have like a face to have face meeting with a world famous trainer like a Conrad Schumacher or Arthur Cotas or a Betsy Steiner or George Williams or whoever it might be, and uh, they can have in a group meeting a live webinar where people get on their computers from around the world and they have a roundtable discussion about generally the training and development of dressage horses or they can do specific subjects about or discuss about their particular problems directly live with an educator where they can ask questions directly through their computer to Conrad Schumacher and they have an instant response directly to them from Conrad Schumacher or from whoever the clinician is. So webinars is a very, very effective new way of approaching education because, you know, we all go to the horse shows and we all see people ride 
And the books are absolutely, absolutely important. And the books will never lose its value. But, you know, it's a, even a little bit more than that. It does, it's more than just reading and studying books. It's more than just going to a horse show and looking at riders as to how they do it. It's more than just taking a private lesson where you have, you know, you paid a certain period of time. You're on your horse. You're told what to do or suggested as to what to do. And when your time's up, your time's up. It's finished. It's gone. Next. But here with the webinars we have opportunity to sit down and with, you know, without interruption, just have a conversation about horses, about dressage, about talk about our personal problems or uh, things that have been in our minds for a long time. And we never have a chance to really discuss it with anyone. And uh, it's sure it's great to go to a horse show and watch, uh, you know, Stefan Peters riding, but how often, for example, do you have a chance to sit down with Stefan Peters and he'll give you his undivided attention and that you can talk to him about anything you want? And no, that's so another approach to education with the live webinars that uh, there's a website called dressagemeetingonline.com that does these live webinars with a variety of educators. And I, I think that's a very positive step forward to dressage education. Oh, I think um, you're right. I, Andreas, I think you're, you're completely right on. I, I think that that's one of the things, you know, and that's here also what we do here at the show. You know, it's, it's um, an interesting way to get information. Uh, but these type webinars uh, are phenomenal. And you can ask questions and you can talk to whoever you need to talk to or would like to talk to. And surprisingly, um, really all of the trainers that you mentioned, they're wonderful people. And they're all educators. And I, I always encourage people uh, in any of these forums or any of these forms of education, uh, everybody, everybody wants to educate about horses. We're all in this business um, because we love you're, horses. You're so right on that point. And, you know, it's our duty as dressage riders to educate because if it wasn't for that philosophy – the education would not have survived through the 17, 1800s, 1900s until the book was established as a phenomenon. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you know, it, it, it is a, our duty as dressage riders to pass on knowledge and information. So, yeah. Absolutely. I just wanted to emphasize how important that point was that you made. <laughs> yeah. You are so right on, and, and, and it's so great to have have opportunities like you have provided and like other organizations have provided uh, for all of us as dressage riders. So right. it's it's phenomenal. So, Andreas, how do people find more uh, find out more information about some of the um, uh, about some of the the uh, opportunities you mentioned? Well, you know, the, you know, I mean, basically we're all doing it. You know, we follow the USDF and its activities and follow its annual type of clinics like the USDF Trainers Conference, um, the uh, USDF Adult Clinic Series that they're doing with Betsy Steiner and Kathy Connolly. Um, you know, at the USDF convention, which is coming up the uh, first week of December in Boston, the USDF has... Um, some great lectures during the convention and you know they have invited some wonderful people to come and give lectures there which is you know a, a wonderful thing and you know those you could see on um, online they're all going to be on dressageclinic.com for those of you who for those people who cannot actually attend the convention which is really the best thing to do but the next best thing is to actually watch these um, lectures from the convention online and um, you know just follow follow what's going on I mean uh, we're all dressage riders we're all interested the global dressage forum North America is going to announce its new dates for next year etc thank you so much for <laughs> joining us tonight thank you and, uh, it's really great information for our listeners Th thank you thank you bye bye this tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. 
This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. Well, we want to thank everybody. We have had quite a thread and love on Facebook at this point, Philip, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, we had just snapped a photo in the barn when we were done a training <laughs> session. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's our guy there in the, in the cross ties just after his bath. And we got a photo and we got a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of comments and stuff on it. That's great. So we thank everybody, you know, for kind of paying attention to our Facebook page. Actually, I think this month we got over 2,800 likes to our Facebook. So we just crossed the 2,800 mark on our, on our Facebook page. That's awesome. So I guess we. Sh- I think I think that people are telling us to post more stuff. You know what we're. Up I, to know, I know. I know. I think we'll yes. we'll we'll post for next week. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show this week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you soon.